Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with Tim Beadle, and we are looking at Simple Discipleship by Dana Allen, looking at seven principles uh, that Jesus used in his disciple making, it seems, that we can bring into ours. And of course, there's some translation required because Jesus is not us and we are not Jesus. And his context was a little different as well. And the principle we're looking at today, Tim, is that Jesus ensured growth was connected to being gospel centered. And we're going to unpack what that means in the context of disciple making, but yeah. that phrase gospel centered, you hear it a lot, gospel centered, and there's gospel fluency and things. What do we actually mean when we talk about being gospel centered in our approach to life? Well, there's so much in the church today, and even in our faith experience that can pull us in different directions. And we can we can end up sort of majoring on minor aspects. And those are the things that, that seem to bring division in the church. Uh, Jesus, when he was on mission, uh, when you think uh, in terms of the very relatively short time uh, that he uh, assembled the troops, as it were, trained them and sent them out, uh, he was always he was always talking about uh, the good news of the gospel or the gospel, uh, the good news of the gospel related to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his kingdom. That that was central. That's how Jesus interpreted his time. And for us, uh, when we look in, at our time, uh, you, you talk about gospel fluency, is that when we talk about disciple making, we always have to make sure that the gospel message uh, is central and is sort of the, the stake to which everything else is tethered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it isn't a sideshow or something that we've moved past. But the gospel message is foundational and primary to all that we are doing and hope to lead others to encounter the living Christ and then not move on from that. But in light of that, live a life that's uh, totally different in light of the gospel message. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, biblically, one of the best examples of not doing that is really Paul challenging the Galatians. You know, beginning by faith and the Spirit, continuing by works. You know, and and trying to move ahead by without without grace and without the Spirit. And so, really, a sub point of this, Tim comes comes out this way: that any plan or motivation for spiritual growth needs to find its identity in Jesus. Yeah. And that idea of identity is so huge when it comes to growing as a disciple. Yeah. Well, when you think uh, earlier when he said, "Oh, you know, Jesus is not so we are Jesus." Uh, you know, some people would actually say, well, we're trying to live our life as if Jesus were living his life through ours. Yes, yes. Well, so the whole thing about being a disciple is that you imitate to the point that you lose your own identity, hmm. not your individualism, uh, but but our identity uh, is found in Christ. Just like in Colossians 1.15, when it talks about Jesus, how he's the exact representation of the Father, uh, and so when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. And that's why Jesus said to those that chose the Father, he said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. And so our identity in disciple making can never stray from the fact that we are following, we are apprentices, we are learning to be more and more like Jesus uh, in the thick and thin of, of everyday life. 
Mm, yeah. And, and again, Galatians addresses this as well. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, you know, and, and it's really Christ living through us. And so, so that is really, you know, foundational here to what we're talking about, that that spiritual growth as a disciple is gospel-centered. It's based on our identity in Christ. So sometimes, though, we we go ahead in a way that is not gospel-centered, rooted in our identity in Christ. What does that What does that look like? Yeah. Well. Well. Unfortunately, we. I think we all agree that uh, we are saved uh, by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone boast, uh, as the scripture says. Uh, but then. Sort of when we get on into living the Christian life, uh, we seem to forget uh, about the balance of faith and grace. And unfortunately, the, the whole works ethic comes in. And uh, for instance, th- those who may be listening and say, well, I'm not really making a disciple that makes a disciple. All of a sudden, uh, the root of uh, aligning your life is, is found in guilt or obligation, mm rather than out of love and, and the expression that this is actually uh, Jesus' will for us and his commission with us as well. So it's easy always to get lost in this balance between belief and works. And, you know, J- James had something to do about that as well, I think, <laughs> about <laughs> faith, faith and works, right? Yeah, well, you, yeah. Have to have, you have to have both, but one is primary. Right. And, and you know, Jesus talked about abiding. You know, bearing fruit from abiding in him and the image of the branch and the vine. And this applies to ministry fruit. It applies to personal growth, that it comes out of the life of Christ flowing through us. And so when we're when we're trying to do it on our own, when we think that spiritual growth or disciple making or evangelism or ministry comes from, you know, discipline and focus and gritting our teeth and giving our best, apart from the recognition of our absolute need for the life of the Spirit to be flowing through us, we can stray into this error that, again, is neither gospel-centered nor rooted in our identity as indwelt uh, by the person of Jesus Christ through his Spirit. Yeah, so, you know, where the rubber hits the road there, and we do have to talk about that if God wants to use us as Jesus has sent us out on mission, uh, it was a co-mission, so, so he is a central part of this, his authority and his presence uh, which are the book, the, sort of the bookends of the Great Commission in, in Matthew 28, is that he is an active part in this uh, because he, Jesus said, if, if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. So he, he's actively through his spirit, drawing people to himself. We happen not to get in the way, but but to become uh, part of the way that the people find and encounter uh, Jesus by the way we live. And to, to be honest with you, it's, it, it it involves hard work and discipline on our, it, it isn't something that you just sort of check in for a couple hours here and there. It's, it, it's an expression of our lifestyle in Jesus. Yeah. And I, I, you know, so many passages are coming to mind, Tim, as you're, as you're saying that where it, it contains the balance of both, you know, faith and works. And yeah. I, I thinking of Hebrews, Hebrews 12 right now, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus but run with perseverance, yeah. you know? And so it kind of captures both where it is really drawing on who he is. And yet there's something we do. I, I have an old on cassette tape, an old John Ortberg sermon. Uh, I think the title is spiritual growth, our job or God's job, something yeah. like that. And, you know, and the answer is yes, but yes. with, with, and he, he does a really good job with emphasizing, as I recall, just the nature of the life of Christ in us. And yet the need for us to be responsive and yielding to the work of the Spirit. Because truth is, Tim, 
we, we are saved by grace, we go, grow by grace, but there are these things called commands where yeah. we're actually told to do something, you know? And, and so it's like, that that's a very interesting tension. And I think a hard one to, it's easier to hit the ditch than to live in that tension, I think. Yeah, it's easier true. to go all in on effort or all in on complete, you know, passive um, of grace. And how have you, you know, how have you managed that or how do you communicate that? To yeah. Yeah, well, well, before before cassettes were even invented, there were these things called books. I've got I've got this book uh, by Jay Sidlow Baxter that's called His Part and Ours because I think uh, that that's part of the the growth to maturity as we realize uh, the biblical pictures in Scripture of of just being an infant uh, drinking our milk and not ready for meat. You know, First Corinthians three, but but then it talks about uh, as young men and then. You develop in, into adults, and 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 so we we have to find out along the way his part and ours, and I, I think uh, we're challenged to realize that we, we don't tell God uh, how this relationship works in this whole covenantal relationship. Hmm. We are the weaker partner that sort of turns up for duty, and that that's that's our responsibility that we turn up as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. We present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. Uh, but at the same time, as Paul said, you know, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, we, I do not run aimlessly, but I discipline my body and keep it under control um, so that he can win a prize. So so it means that there is a, a higher calling for us to live into, live up to. Uh, but as you said from Hebrews, uh you know, we fix our eyes on Jesus. That that, that word for fix, it's like the old Star Trek where, where they put the tractor beams on and, and you just mm. uh, get sucked into an object or whatever. Just you're locked in. And and, and that's how it works. Uh, we obviously pray. We read the Bible. We can learn things and principles. Uh, but when Jesus has commanded us to obey him, because uh, he says, if you love me, you will obey. And then he gives us a command like the Great Commission. Hmm. Uh, that isn't optional. That isn't optional. And I think uh, in my relationship with the Lord, um, he doesn't want me to be robotic in what I'm doing. It's all based on a love relationship with him. Hmm. And even if you look in the Gospels, uh, Jesus spent a whole whack of time just living his life amongst the would-be disciples before he even called them in in, in Matthew 4, to, let's get out and fish for men. Uh, they they just got to know him. They trusted him. They liked him. And, and they were enamored by him. But uh, he wanted to make sure it wasn't based on, okay, uh, uh, now you're going into a training camp or boot camp. Uh, there was a lot of relational stuff so that they would follow him readily because they had just been enamored with this one called Jesus. Mm, yeah. You know, we we can flippantly throw out that phrase sometimes of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, when we have a true relationship with him, that relational dynamic uh, doesn't make everything easy necessarily, but it makes things easier in that you're in relationship with this person, you're following this person, you're responding to them, that it's not, it's not a, uh, oh, a robotic relationship. Yeah. It's not... It's not a relationship with a machine. It's a relationship with a person. And there's this, there's this, this flow of life and communication that goes back and forth, changes it dramatically. Thinking of what going on a hike with a friend, yeah. you know, yeah, there's some hills to climb and some, some, some routes to stumble over, but you're walking with a friend and that is completely different than being on a, on a forced march. 
Yep. You know, with someone with someone behind you cracking a whip. Yep, exactly. And that, that that that's a beautiful picture. You know, that the fact that the Lord has called us to sojourn with him, to walk with him, to abide mm-hmm. in him. And uh, any any close relationship, obviously a uh, marriage relationship would be one where obviously it's designed that the two become one mm-hmm. so that intuitively as you get older and live longer into your marriage, you, you know exactly what the other person's thinking. And sometimes just a certain look and you know exactly what's going <laughs> on. I guess the, the challenge is, uh, do we not do we spend enough time looking in the face of Jesus, as it were, mm. uh, that that we don't lose track of the things that are important to His heart? It, it, it does. Um, uh, it does. It does break my heart when I uh, look into the the church, the community of faith, and just just people don't have to have any sense of of this. Um, commission that we've been given that they're they they love the church they're worshiping they're giving they're serving but there seems to be i, I don't know what's your take on this Darren. uh but it's almost like uh they're happy the way things are uh without without making disciples or being disciples uh how do you put those two things together <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that is the issue and i remember way back in my early years of bible school where one of our profs mentioned this whole challenge of the purpose of church Christian leadership is to is to build up the saints to move them to maturity, and yet that is not the expectation or the desire of many. And so I think what's important, Tim, and, and this this can be challenging and difficult to hear for some, that we really need to look at uh, the fact that a lot of these challenges come from the fact that we're dealing with people who are not regenerate. Yeah. And as we talk about growing as a disciple, we're talking about someone who has repented of their sins, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and their trajectory is one of following. Mm-hmm. You know, And when that's the case, there, there's so much that's already happened at that point in time. I think of that old Sun Life brochure that I have laying here somewhere, 33 things that happen at the moment of conversion. You yeah, know, okay. Just the things that happen, you're adopted into his family, you're a child yeah. of God, you're, you know, all of those things. And when that has happened... It's like the, the the pull of gravity now is God word and gospel word. If it hasn't happened, the only way progress is made is through human effort. Yeah. yeah. And so so we have people who have not come to a place of actually repenting, believing, and following, who are trying to live a Christian life. And that is a recipe for frustration, both for the person, for those trying to lead them. And so when it comes to disciple-making, Tim, Part of disciple making is evangelism, but the whole growth growth side doesn't really kick in until someone has repented, believed, and started to follow Jesus. Yeah, and totally agree with that. That, That's a really good word. Um, Also, in disciple making, God continues to make something of us Mm. uh, in this call and command and commission to make disciples. It isn't like we've arrived. because we're still learning, we're, we're, we're still malleable in his hands, and, and we're learning new things through our own life experience that uh, consequently seems to connect with people right at the same time so that they may be going through as, as well. So I'm, I'm going through treatment for cancer right now. Uh, uh, so I'm not on the sideline from disciple making, but God is using what, what's happening uh, daily and, and weekly and monthly in my life. Uh, to others that I meet that I would never have met before, where I can plant a seed and water a seed and things like that. Um, 
another really important area, I think, in, in uh, spiritual growth and, and maturity is that at some point in your faith relationship with Jesus, you realize that the word others uh, becomes very central and a burden on your heart, just as it is a burden on uh, the heart of God. Uh, you know, we were saved because for God so loved the world that whosoever. And unfortunately, sometimes when uh, we cross the line of faith, uh, we say, okay, I'm, I've crossed the line, my, my salvation and uh, heavenly destination is secure. And we become lazy. And, mm. and we fail to realize that Jesus didn't just die for us, but yeah. he died for others. And, and that burden uh, should break our heart time and time again, that, that there are people, if they died today, would be heading towards a Christless mm. eternity. Mm. And I think in the church today, Unfortunately, we, we see the church as the delivery system for disciple-making, but it's not. I know Bill Hall said, uh, the church is a wonderful platform, a staging area, but it's people like you and me, followers and disciples. We are the delivery system. Yeah. Uh, churches don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It's like on the farm. Mm. Farms do not produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. And until we really take responsibility for that, I don't think a lot will change because, yeah, there's others out there, but we expect the church uh, and the programs in the church are wonderful things. But it's like sending a child to school and expecting them to come out several years later with a degree. Uh, But you've never really paid attention to how they are learning and how they are maturing to the point that they will graduate mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's why you have some guys who've just been in u- university seven eight nine ten years they, they just keep taking more and more courses to become more educated and better people but mm. they, they never move on from that yeah you know it's it's back to matthew right at the beginning jesus said follow me yeah and yeah i will make you yeah. <laughs> something I, I will make you you'll fish for people so so it's part and parcel so, so it's not just, you know, agree with me or acknowledge my existence. It's follow me and this will happen. Acts 1-8, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes in you and yeah. you'll be my witnesses. So part and parcel of walking with Jesus by walking this, you know, back to the hike analogy, going on this journey with Jesus is a dis- journey of disciple making. Yeah, it is. We are disciples. We're following Jesus. We're inviting others to join us. And that's really, it's, it's not a compartment of our life. No. It is, it is the umbrella under which we live our life. That's right. Our work, our play, our leisure, our relationship or family is under that umbrella of following Jesus on this, you know, the great adventure really of, of, of walking with him and growing, allowing him. It's not like we've arrived. He's changing us and we're in this exciting journey. We're calling others to follow. And I know there were stages in my life, Tim, where there were things that were just seemed like they wrote effort, yeah. but it was before i you know, come to Romans chapter 12, one, where I'd offer myself completely to him. Yeah. From that point on, it changed. It yeah. really did change. And it's not, you know, perfection, but it's certainly a change of trajectory. Yeah. And it's within that trajectory, I think, that it's much easier to be gospel-centered because we know we are 100% dependent on him, not just for salvation, but for day-to-day life. You know, I, I used to, you know, initially I read my Bible and prayed because I was supposed to. You know, or, or because I needed to. And now, you know, I want to. And and there's a want to tied to the need to, tied to the benefit of, of that relationship with him. Um, 
I just think that, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, it'll be my commandments. And again, there's that love yeah. tied to obedience with him. Yep. And again, I think if the trajectory starts right, repenting, believing, and following, the gospel-centeredness, I think, is much more easy than if we're, we're going from dead soil. Yeah, and I think we mentioned in, in prior podcasts, uh, when Jesus talks about obeying, and even in the Great Commission, there, there's that part of uh, teaching people to obey. Um, we can't obey Jesus out of guilt or shame or dread of mm. being punished. That's not the kind of followership he, he wants. Uh, we obey out of love. And when we obey Jesus, uh, we honor him. Mm. And and I think that that's one of the fruit uh, of, uh, you know, talks about giving glory to God. Well, what does that mean? We, we learn to honor him by the way we live. Mm. Uh, and and uh, he's the audience of our life. But he's not too far away because he is walking with us. He's making something of us, mm. not only in Matthew 4, but at the end where he said, now go and make. But you got all my authority, and I'm going to be with you on the way as well. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful commission. It's a journey with him. Uh, and so, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, and I guess the challenge for us is who who do we have? And to lead someone to Christ, you just have to be one step in front of where they are. Hmm. You don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Uh, but you know that you're one step closer. And at least you can teach them that one step. And that's why when someone comes to Christ, uh, they're, they're primed for just learning. Don't put them on the shelf for two years and learn how to be a Christian. Uh, they can have influence on others in their circle of influence if they're truly in love with this one we call Jesus. Mm. Yeah. You know, Tim, maybe a, a, a relevant story. Well over 30 years ago, I think 35 years ago, I interned in the church that you're currently at. Okay. You and I was given an opportunity, <laughs> as interns sometimes are, to preach in an evening service when they used to exist. You know, less less people, less damage right. could be done. Yeah. And uh and 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 I asked you know the pastor what you know what kind of things I should preach on. He said, uh, and this is pretty much his exact words: "You can preach on anything you want, as long as the point of the message isn't believe more, serve more, give more, pray more." Yeah, good. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting little lesson. And when I went to do that, it's like wow, that that limits me quite a bit because as a young you know fired up Bible school student, you want to just you know bang on the pulpit and call people to do more. Yep. And for me, it was a great reminder that we always need to come back to the foundations of what Jesus has done for us yep. and resting in that and receiving that and allowing then the spirit to move through us down that path. And so in a, for me, in a very concrete way, that was a bit of a stake in the ground yep. that it's not always calling our people we're discipling to do, 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 but also accept and receive what yep. Jesus has already done. And that is the gospel message. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of his love for us, uh, his death, resurrection, the new life, the call. So I think we're going to land the plane here this week. Uh, but Jesus always kept his followers on something that was bigger, uh, you know, the, this, this teaching of the kingdom. And even before Jesus ascended, after he was resurrected for a period of like 40, 30, 40 days, he just reminded them the things of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. and so part, part of our life in the kingdom is making disciples and making disciples. He's Darren. I'm Tim. We'll look for you next time along the way, along the path with Jesus of disciple-making. Have a great day. Amen. God bless. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com.
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.